0: So we need to continue the conversation on ethics and ecclesia and I think the next step from the fact that the church is the people of God gathering mm-hmm. yeah. is to talk about what What would you say? Oh, you're
1: asking me. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought We
0: could go a thousand different routes with this, you know what I mean?
1: Uh, for sure. No, we could Um I think a great place to start now with this understanding of it's followers of the way who come and gather together. And that's our Ecclesia that we're, that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. now we're getting into the ethics of what that should, what it ought to look like in with a biblical language and foundation. Um, I think a great place to start is every member functioning because yeah. everything else is always going to come back to this. Yeah. So let's talk about every member functioning where we where does that language come from? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, And why does it matter? Let's talk, let's just dive in.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure where to begin when we like starting this dialogue because Mm. I'm thinking of like, I I don't want to, you know, start out too raw, but I'm like, is that even possible in our church structure as it stands in America? Like to have every member functioning no, I, I don't, I it's, don't, it's not. possible It sounds at all. crazy, like the the verse that is on uh, my mind, and I'm sure on yours, because this is something that, as we've done house churches, this has become like a bedrock for yeah, how we operate. Because we truly believe in like our house churches that every member should be functioning. Mm-hmm. That's and, and if and if 90% of the church is functioning and 10% of it is not, it's unhealthy.
1: Uh, absolutely. And so
0: that comes for us, you know, through 1 Corinthians 12, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, ha- you can go ahead and I read that out of yours. You have the CSB. So
1: I, this is true. Yeah. I, read I do it. have the CSB. I love the wording in there. <laughs> okay. Um, so we start getting into spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians twelve four is kind of we get into starting with, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And then Paul goes in to list a bunch of these things. So this podcast episode is not actually about what do we think about the gifts, or you know, let's get into the theological right. um, spectrum on how to interpret the gifts are they for today? Are they not? And everything in between. Um, this is not about that. So I'm just going to kind of breeze over that and then go a little bit farther, um, to verse 12 for just as the body is one and has many parts, which is also, again, going back to that picture that we kind of established in that, um, previous episode of, ecclesia that whole being it's made up of the followers of the way and it's sort of lots of individuals that are living stones comprising a singular spiritual house comprising one body a singular unit we see that here that same imagery um for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body though many are one body So also is Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body or I think perhaps for us to understand the modern day application of this, what we see in front of us, here's the biblical language, Mm -hmm. I guess, if we can equip people who are listening, people say, because I'm not an I, I don't have a gift to offer when we gather right now is essentially it's that I don't have this part to play in the body aside from I'll just show up and then leave. So, We see this, um, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Just like pretty simple logic Paul goes into, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body in case we're not getting it so many times that's repeated. The I cannot say to the hand, which this is very much what we say in our practices. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't, this and this is the conversation of ethics. In general, the whole concept of ethics is not just about what you say aloud, but it's also what you demonstrate through your actions day in and day out. Maybe it's the omission of what you say, or maybe it's what you do that's counter to what Mm. you say that undermines it. But this is what we do. The hand, or mm, sorry, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. But our eyes say to our hands, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. I think that would be maybe in a second, you can provide great commentary on that and what that means in terms of, because the question after this is like, okay, well, what is that? What should that look like? But I do want to finish out this little bit of passage because this is, this is really why this matters and why we can't just throw this away. Instead, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And and he goes on. Um, Okay. to kind of give us this uh, idea that we're all unified by God and empowered by the same spirit, though greatly diverse, um, and literally all are indispensable. Yeah. And that that has to matter to us because that is, like it's been proclaimed. God has put that together. Mm. So do we care about that or not? Do we want to like pretend that... I can be a hand that says to the eye, well, yeah, you know, you're kind of like Moses. You stumble over your words. So maybe you shouldn't be like, you know, people just check out when you start talking. So we'll have someone else do it instead. You know, like, no. So I don't know. That's definitely a thing that I think of. That was the passage that you, you went to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think there's a lot of commentary that I I have on this. Well, what the, is the
1: what do what do our services look like? So I'm gonna talk about services because sure. that's usually the gatherings are hmm. structured as services. So maybe we can just talk about the church service, yeah, yeah, and why is that not the fulfillment of what we see here in First Corinthians twelve? And
0: we've said before, <laughs> yep, ten percent of the people doing ninety percent of the work, if not a hundred percent of the work of the church. Like, this is a known thing. This isn't a shocker. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just talking to my buddy Gary. And Gary, for those of you that don't know, he's been a pastor for decades. I mean, this guy is, he's the real deal. And mm-hmm. um, he's also, you know, 70 years old, has a lot of wisdom to, to draw from. And yeah. Gary was he, very blunt with me while we were talking and just even about the church um, recently. And he said, just, he came up and just said, you know, Style of music, type of worship, and the sermon preaching whatever he wants to preach. That's what church is about. He's like, in my time in the church, that's what I've learned. That's what the church is about. And it's just like, uh, you know, I sat there like, uh, that's not the conversation I usually have with people, especially pastors that have mm-hmm. been, you know, teaching or you know, pastoring in a chur- like institutional church setting for decades. That's not usually the conversation. Because they're usually on board with that. Like they want their style of worship or they want to teach, you know. But he's just laid it out there and he's just like, this is what it's come to. He's like, it doesn't matter that my wife has been dealing with, you know, mental health issues for decades. No one cares about her sitting in in, in church, you know. Like they came to play their songs and to teach their message. Yeah, It wasn't about what the church was actually supposed to be composed of. And so when you read even like 1 Corinthians 12, and we're talking about that, is that not like... The perfect example of like what Paul's talking about, though, he's saying, hey, even the weakest parts of you are indispensable to the kingdom of God. That means literally like you have a spouse that has mental illness. Even she is indispensable to the kingdom of God. So does our action assuming
1: she's a follower of the way? Yeah.
0: So does our action like represent that?
1: Well, and, and, and if it does, we will see in the context of what we just read in scripture, that if one member suffers, all the members suffer mm. with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Um, yeah. We also, we don't see that. We see that only in the case of specific few who m- may be yeah. one of that, you know, 10, I percent can remember, that do all the work, right? If one of them is suffering, or if one of them is honored, then okay, we might feel some compassion, or we might be yeah. hurt by that, or you know, we might rejoice in in their being honored. But the rest of the eighty ninety percent of people who are coming to these services, we don't suffer when they suffer, and no, we don't totally. rejoice when they're honored.
0: Well, we're not even doing life with them, you know. No, they're just there to tithe and keep the lights on or whatever, you know. And so. The, by our mm-hmm. action and
1: to receive and to be fed and, and yeah, or into, to learn from our you know us, us Moses. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's it's
1: yeah, where the pastor is meant to be God to the people instead mm-hmm. of God being God to the people.
0: It makes me think of like this time I remember when I was growing up and this homeless guy came to church on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and I remember uh, the pastor or someone went and asked him to sit like three rows back because he smelled and there were people there and he didn't want people to, you know, be bothered by this man. So he asked him Mm -hmm. to go if he rose back and be isolated by himself so he could smell to himself Yeah, back there. And you're like, that is like, yes, that is the picture of everything that is wrong with the church, you know?
1: Ooh. Okay. Can I, can I interject? Sure. Yeah. Go for it. It was just a
0: random thought. I'm not, didn't have a point to it necessarily. Just something that came to mind.
1: Yeah. But I, I suppose. So, Um, with that though, if this homeless man is not a believer, then what is he doing at the church service in the first place? Yes. That's not, we're not necessarily meant to make it about him, but also... We're so I just wanted to point out like yeah. that again. It, depending on where you take that line of thought, can lead to a place of catering to non-believers. Totally. You want to make it more accepting. Well, and I do
0: know this homeless man was a believer.
1: Great. I would say we should yes. be. We should be like every person, whether mm-hmm. a believer or not, has they deserve dignity just by virtue of their existence. God has said that yeah, your soul totally. is meaningful to me. Whether you are opposed to me currently or you follow my ways, like your soul is meaningful to me. So every person deserves that, that dignity. Um, So I I just, I wanted to, I don't know, comment on the potential dynamic going on there. Um, And, but no matter what, we shouldn't be catering like to any, any this or any that. And it just leads to favoritism, which James, the book of James is a great place to go to just get wrecked Mm. on favoritism. Impartiality is a sin and it's compared to murder and adultery. Mm. Um, It's a really big deal. And it's just not something that we, we are always drawn toward, but we shouldn't be.
0: Okay. So we spend a lot of time, setting all that up and that's great but coming back to it at the point the point of this episode really per what you brought up at the beginning is that every member should be functioning and that essentially that's not happening in most of the institutional church in america the way as we've known we've known church growing up that's not something that currently exists Mm -hmm. the reality is you might have your worship team five six people you have your pastor you have some administrative staff maybe a youth pastor You have maybe a cleaning crew, some people that set up chairs, some people that do tech, some people that maybe help in a parking lot, maybe do coffee in the foyer. Yeah. You know, and and then church for everyone else is to just come and be fed. Mm -hmm. It's just come and learn under us, come be fed, come sing with us, Mm -hmm. and then go out. Um, Invite people to church next week. That's a part of their role, I guess you could say. But there's not a lot of, like, really deep equipping or allowing people to operate in their functions.
1: I think, yeah. And I I think the... um, I don't... So for some people, I do really think that this is a cop-out because they don't want to think about changing the service to create more room for every member to function. Um, Other people, I don't think it's necessarily a cop-out. I think... um, they want what God wants. They maybe don't know how to get there or they think it's that this is a way to get there. But, you know, I, I think of, um, very often I'll hear sort of like a push for embrace that time of fellowship. Like don't just Mm -hmm. show up right as worship is starting so that you don't talk to anybody. Um, you know, I'll hear, I think people who are more genuine in heart to pursue, um, trying to apply what God has given us. They'll talk about the time before and after service. They'll talk about the meet and greet time, yeah. sort of like take take hold of that fellowship time, get involved in serving so that, you know, if, if you've been given a message of wisdom or a message of knowledge or, you know, faith to share or any of these other like gifts that are talked about, um, if you have a gift of administration, or you know, you know, I don't know, because there's so many examples just within from the span of First Corinthians 12 through 14, there are so many examples of right. how God empowers us to build up specifically the body. Um, I hear a big push for do it sort of quietly in this little bit of time that's provided at the services, or mm. maybe we'll extend some of the service focal point so you can have more opportunity here and to that i would so i just i'll I'll read first corinthians 14 starting at it's just verse 26 um actually i'll go to verse 25 the secrets of his heart will be revealed and as a result he will fall face down and worship god proclaiming god is really among you this is what happens when every member is functioning, essentially, right. and the and the way that God has empowered us is allowed to, uh, like, yeah. happen, like, just, yeah. just happen. Um, people will fall face down, worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation another tongue or an interpretation everything is to be done for building up yeah of the body do we actually believe that no because i think ultimately
0: absolutely not (laughs)
1: I, I just, I yeah, and and I guess that's, yeah. that would be, like, my challenge is, like, hey, if you're reading through 1 Corinthians 12 and you're, like, okay, well, we can extend this part of the service or we can maybe change that or we can encourage people to, like, use their gift of hospitality to sure. be on the hospitality team or their gift of service to, like, do the landscaping for the church, whatever, I don't mm-hmm. know. um You know, we come up with these kind I, of, like, roundabout ways to get people involved, but when it comes to the actual gathering, just keep reading, get through 1 Corinthians 14. Do we believe... That each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, like something to be revealed of God's heart, that that is to be offered for specifically this gathering every time that we gather together, each one. I
0: would say not only does the institutional church not believe that, but we also have a value system of propping ourselves up in strong positions and keeping people in weaker positions when they are willing to serve. Mm -hmm. Like I would say that's become some sort of leading ethic you know, of of the institutional church. I guess. Like, we don't want yeah. someone else to, like, teach because we want to be the person that, like, teaches them. We don't want necessarily another worship, someone to come lead worship because their voice isn't as good as someone else. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. know, like, it's really become about...
1: We want the person who's going to do it as well as... Like out of all the candidates, we want Mm -hmm. the one who we think is going to do it best because that's our idea of success. It's our measure of success, but...
0: It's the epitome of choosing us all over David.
1: Yeah, honestly, it super is. It's the epitome of like Moses was so unprepared and God says, yeah, I'm sending you. Like you with the stutter, Mm -hmm. you who doesn't know what to say, you who like won't be initially received by those people, I'm sending you. And And we so often... Like we are Israel saying to God, I reject that person. Give me someone else. And, and, yeah. or the epitome of choosing Saul over David. I want that person. It reminds
0: um, me of someone who reached out to me on Instagram when we first did this podcast a couple of years ago and they had like a mild form of autism. Oh, and yeah. I, do you remember me telling you about them yeah, and I they do. had been their yeah. dream was to just be a pastor at a church and they've been trying for like two decades yeah and they've never been allowed to be a pastor at any church they've gone to because of their mild form of autism and this guy is just like spamming me with like the word of god i mean <laughs> and and it wasn't like like bad that's a I great was, way to spam somebody <laughs> no it was i was just literally like no my first thought was just like i'm not sitting here like weirded out by this i'm like this dude just probably loves God more than me. they
1: are so eager. You know, yeah, it was zealous, zealous. Yeah. yes.
0: And so literally thinking of like that, though, but yeah, well, why in the world would we hire but, someone in an institutional church with autism to be a pastor? That's not something we would do. No. Because we want strong people in what we consider strong positions, and we want weak people in weak positions, and we don't necessarily see them as indispensable.
1: And and I guess here's the thing. So, you know, I, I forget your wording a second ago, but you had talked about how... Um, It's sort of this almost new form of leadership that we have or something. Honestly, I would consider it the human condition is we and it's, but it's like, guys, watch out. Like it's the ways of the world, the human condition that we would garner as much power and influence for ourselves as we can. And then we seek to protect that because what happens when every person comes with something what happens if each one comes with a hymn or a song like spiritual songs or a teaching or revelation? What happens to the position of pastor, like senior pastor or teaching pastor? What happens to the position of worship leader and those on the worship team? If Joe Schmo comes in with a hymn, if, you know, I honestly I don't know any other random names besides Joe Schmo. Um Yeah, he's a popular is, guy. <laughs> very, very <laughs> popular, it's all I'm saying. Um but the point is is if someone or if everyone comes in with something to offer our positions of power are threatened.
0: Yeah, there is a sort of like Darwinism in the church. It's like you know, these are the fittest people for the, it's, it's <laughs> the just, roles that is just like,
1: it's just the ways of the world. Like it genuinely is like we, with we want church
0: in a capitalistic society.
1: Um, I wouldn't even say, well, uh, mm,
0: in a lot of ways, just because yeah. of the na- nature of doing something as business, like you don't choose a CEO who's mm-hmm. less than if you could have a CEO who's more than.
1: Yes. So no, absolutely. And I, so I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think probably it expands beyond just a capitalistic society. Um, I haven't thought through maybe what that common thread is but the point is is like we want to communicate that we have a position of strength yeah. and it's so ironic because yes god is all powerful and he has a so often he shows us an outstretched and a mighty mm. hand and he delivers and he is like, there's nothing more powerful, more awesome or more terrifying than God. Like it is terrifying for us to fall yeah. into the hands of God. Right. But when God took on human form, like the, the irony in us wanting to prop ourselves up as though we are um, coming to each other, not even the world, that we're coming to each other from a position of strength is that Jesus came from a position of weakness. Yeah. Like complete and total weakness. There's so many scriptures where it just talks about how Jesus took on the form of weakness and how mm-hmm. I, I was just reading. I can't remember where. He
0: did not treat equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he
1: that's Humble himself too.
0: and took on the form of a slave. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just this thing where it's really, really ironic that we would in like that classic way of the world, we want to communicate that we have this position of strength. Yeah. Um, and, and we feel threatened when that position of strength is um, up for question, I guess, or could be changed or altered um, yeah. a little bit, or <laughs> we just might have to share some of that with others. Yeah. Um, because, everything that Jesus gave us like if if we just spend yeah, just it is spend the some time spend some time in the gospels totally. genuinely like if we are trying to if Jesus is the way the truth and the life if he is resurrection life mm. the life that he lived then why would we ever seek to be in like protecting a position of strength Yeah, it
0: is. It's interesting. It's the opposite because yeah, Jesus comes from position of strength to weakness, and we come from position of weakness and try to acquire strength. Yeah, and yeah, and
1: it's it's foolishness. Like it's oh, definitely,
0: definitely. So coming back, hitting some practical notes here. Yeah, the thing is, in smaller church settings, this is actually possible.
1: Yeah,
0: that every member can function. Yeah. And that's the point of what we need to get to. And I don't know what the solution is. Like when you start asking like, well, what's the solution for a church that's even just a hundred people? I don't know if I have one, not in its current structure. Like the solution is instead of sermons, have a sermonette that's like 15 minutes and let people discuss like in round tables over a meal for the next two hours, what you kind of like brought up as a discussion point. Maybe that's the solution. We've, we've seen now, that
1: model in France, right? In France, right? yeah. yeah that now, was, what do you
0: do when it's a thousand people? I don't know. Should, like, I, should I,
1: it I, even be a... So I guess here's... And here would be my, my challenge is like, is it worth it to be a thousand people and to compromise these ethics that God has given? Because like, make no mistake, if you're not coming to do it the way that God has said it ought to be, the way that leads outsiders to look at art, to Mm. look at us and to fall flat on their face saying, God is real and he is alive among you and he is powerful. Whoa, I can't walk away without being changed by this. Like if, if we're looking at that, seeing that this is God's perfect, pleasing will design, it's attainable for us. And we say, Meh. I'd rather have a thousand people than do it God's way. Like, I I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it's worth it. Personally, and I think you like you have to be asking yourself.
0: It's not worth it if you're God. calling yourself a church.
1: Go ask God. Is it worth it, God?
0: This is where I'll give. This is probably the, for me to the only praise efforts. I'll give of Elevation Church here on this podcast. But I will say, okay, uh, this is not. No,
1: I, I have no any idea what you're sort of say. like.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to comment on anything else on Elevation Church, you know, because that you talk about a polarizing uh, topic. But Stephen Furtick. Uh, once said a long time ago that, you know, they're not a church. So this isn't a church. Like, don't come here expecting this to be a church. Like, this is an evangelistic, like, pop-up service basically every week. Now, I don't think that that is what they, like, there's a thousand issues with Stephen Furtick, (laughs) one of them potentially being his salvation, but (laughs) but the... The thing I'm is, I'm happy to
1: say I don't know enough about I, like Christian pop culture to have any way in on this I'm right not, now. I'm not
0: trying to, I'm not going to say I have a stance one way or another, potential issue. That's what I'll leave it at. Um Great. But to at least not call it a church, I think is a step above a lot of other people. That I can respect lead. that. Yeah, I can respect it a lot more than a lot of other people that lead churches that are like. It really is about the glitz and the glam.
1: You're like you're not fooling and anyone. You're no. certainly not fooling God. You're not fooling the people you're trying to draw in. All you're doing is you're, you're defaming God's name. You're not fooling God's even name.
0: people like Gary who have gotten to the towards no. the end of their life no. that are now questioning oh. the thing that has been called church for so long and wondering, but did they actually even care about my wife?
1: I know. Okay, I know we're close on time, but I really just want to read this because... It just, I don't know. I, I got wrecked by the book of Amos. It just, it happened. And so I keep coming back to it over and over again because to me, oh man, one of the greatest lessons God has ever taught me. Cause when I first started reading the Bible, I was like, those Pharisees. Oh my gosh. I'm all angry. Like it's so, so the injustice, cause I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. injustice driven, you know? Um, but
0: you gotta be able to find the book first.
1: I know I'm. Wait, 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 I just, I, I just passed it. Um, no, but one of the greatest things that God ever taught me, and then you know, it starts. I started in the New Testament, then we go to the Old Testament because that just yes. way over my head. Um, God like has wrecked me a few times to say, Diana, you are Israel, hmm. and I'm like, crap so now I look for like hey I don't want to be Israel and I plead with God like please like teach me these lessons so that I can learn from Israel's example and not be Israel like I don't want to be wayward I don't want to forget so quickly right so anyways I got wrecked by the book of Amos and here's why stuff like this matters because God's message to the people of Israel through the prophet Amos was that um, he was going to hand them over for destruction. Mm-hmm. Be, and it's it's kind of crazy because it's not like, oh, you've turned to idol worship. Oh, you've done like all of these horrible things and you've completely forsaken me and forgotten all my ways. And, and like, like, there are times where Israel's yeah. like crazy wayward and they're doing awful crap, right? And they weren't doing that here. What, What Amos talks about or, you know, what God says to the people through Amos is simply that they are not seeking justice anymore, that they aren't living by his ways. Essentially, outside of, they come and they, they like they come to bring their sacrifices. They come to sing their songs. Hmm. They come to make their offerings, even their free will offerings. Yeah. But
0: sounds like the church.
1: This is this is my point. If this is not a message for today. Oh, my goodness. Um, so God says, like, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be like a man who flees from a lion, only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be dark? Be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, Mm. I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Mm. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. It wasn't that they were doing these awful things. They brought... They continued all of their sacrifices. They continued all of these things, but it's that in the rest of their life they didn't honor God. They wanted to yeah. appease him by like, I'll show up and I'll go through the motions and I'll do the things. But really, they compromised God's heart mm. in the rest of their life. And that to me is is why fattened cattle. <laughs> that to me is why this matters yeah. so much. You can't just read through it and you know, read through God's prescription for the church for his for his children for yep. us today for our way of life like the way god's illuminated the way it's not hidden from us anymore yeah you can't just read that and see it and come to know it and recognize it as good and then say but i'm going to compromise or yeah. we will be the nation of israel in the book of amos and i don't know about you guys but that's terrifying to me
0: that's kind of why i love the phrase followers of the way because the moment we start calling going back to christians there's like it's kind of well, there's a subjective ambiguous. thing, yeah. On like, well, what do you, what kind of Christian am I? You know, yeah. it's it's kind of like becomes its own movement. Well, I'm this Christian, I'm that Christian. You know, I'm a progressive Christian, I'm an affirming Christian, I'm a whatever. You know, and it's just like well, follower of the way really makes it simpler because you're not a follower of yourself, the Christian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're you're a follower of the way. So
1: or a follower of the american twist on the gospel that's what i'm saying yeah i
0: mean at the end of the day jesus is the way and so there are things that have been defined for us and so
1: we just need to redefine them
0: well christian ethics either mean something or they don't and so every member functioning being the first i think it either means something in our church structure or it doesn't and that's the thing for people listening to this podcast to consider what does your church look like Whether you attend someone or whether somewhere where that's valued or not, are you a pastor that's leading one? Do you value it or not? Ask yourself this in 1 Corinthians 12, what you read earlier, Diana. Even the weakest of these are indispensable to the kingdom of God. Are people really indispensable at your church or are they dispensable? Because the reality is most church services, 80% of the people are dispensable. And if that's the case, you are not a church... You're not a church with a Christian ethic that values every member functioning.